All right, here we go. Uh, thanks for joining us. It's another episode of Life in Jiu-Jitsu. We've got Frank Suarez, not Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> Franklin's a photography name. That's my photography name. According to my wife, it sounds better as a photographer. So you'll see it on like my Facebook or Instagram for that reason. Well, we, I used to use social media for photography. Everybody used to, but it's no longer the way to put yourself out there anymore no shit no shit let's get into that in uh in just a second let me do a quick shout out here to the arm bar soap company um it, it was probably like three months ago <laughs> at this point i said i was gonna do a review for them because they were um they were good enough to send me a, a sample package of soap to review because they believed in the podcast and we thank you for that arm bar soap uh soap company they sent me like 10 things of soap so it took me some time to get through them all and i wanted to give you all like a thorough review there is a write-up on the blog um, if you haven't checked out the website, I, um, in addition to doing a podcast, I also built a fucking website. This is not easy. Um, so check it out, lifeinjujitsu.com. Uh, there's a little bit more, um, a little bit more of a blog product on there, sort of unsolicited thoughts and random musings by your host. If you're into that sort of thing, again, it's lifeinjujitsu.com. Um, and you know, if you if you want to, uh, my contact information on there is, is my contact information is on there as well. If you feel uh, compelled to email me with some of your stories about training, or maybe just send us some pictures from you know our fans around the world, um, my hope is to add a photo gallery in the next couple of days and sort of try and bring the community uh, a little bit closer together. But yeah, I put up a review for Armbar Soap on the blog. Uh, basically, they have my highest possible recommendation. They make you smell great afterwards. You feel actually clean. The um, the product is really price competitive um, for its niche market. Other um, antifungal soap that you might use for this sort of application after being in direct contact with other people's bodies goes for about $30 for a two-bar pack. So at $5.95 per bar, arm bar soap is well below that price point. Um, again, an excellent product. It's packaged really nicely. Um, basically, my highest possible recommendation. The only thing that I'll knock them for is that, as far as I can tell, I can't buy it on Amazon, which is um, a little bit of a problem for me because that's normally where I would curate this sort of um, sort of um, almost like afterthought sort of product. Like I'm, I've got a basket of products that I'm that are none of which are individually big enough for me to go to the store to uh, go to the store for individually. But nonetheless, want to make sure that are in my life. I would probably go to Amazon for something like that. Um, so you know, maybe just a little feedback for Armbar Soap Company. You might want to consider putting your stuff on Amazon. Uh, but until you do, I'm more than glad to uh, to hop online and, and uh, get another uh, get another box from you guys. You said you were using something similar too, right? Yeah, I've tried a few different brands. I forget the exact names, but I like them. Um, I basically only use them after I train, and I use them 100% of the time. Just paranoid like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, as I was thinking about it, it's probably good for any sort of athlete that regularly comes in contact with other people's bodies. So, like, I was at a wrestling tournament uh, with, uh, with my wife, Haley and his, and her kid. And I was like, fuck, all these little fuckers should be having arm bar soap. What are they going to go? They're going to go home and use their mom's like Neutrogena or whatever, yeah. you know, that, that like anti fungal stuff that like, it's actually really bad for you. You don't yeah. want that. You don't want that. Um, boxers, Muay Thai people, you know, the, um, the shin pads and the gloves, you're putting your hands into the same fucking gloves. 
Yeah. You know, that, dude, those gloves are fucking dirty. Those gloves are super dirty. Um, I would basically recommend, <clears throat> I'd basically recommend arm bar soap for any, any sort of athlete that comes into contact with other people all the time, honestly. So, um, yeah, you, um, are a photographer by, I guess by, uh, by artistic, by artistic vision. That's your first love, huh? Yeah. And well, you're a purple belt. Yeah, I'm a purple belt. Yeah. I think they're both the same thing for me. They're both more of like passions. Like I think they're both, both art related, you know, so they're very similar to me. I think I have a, just about as much love for both of them really? equally. Um, I've done a little bit of every type of art genre you can possibly imagine my whole entire life. So I always have to do something. Um, so, you know, I somewhat did that as a, as a job as well, photography for some time when I was living in Southern California. Yeah. Um, I think jujitsu has kind of taken over my life. Um, and I think I prioritize it much more than I, I probably should. Yeah. 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 I spend a lot of my time. Um, it's kind of crazy. I actually, I revolve my entire schedule, my whole life around jujitsu. It's kind of weird. You could say commercial photography. Um, I would say my interest and what I, have always worked on his fashion photography and i don't know if you ever realized that or yeah yeah I, that yeah I saw some of your your pictures it's all like fashion related stuff. yeah it's all fashion it's almost like, like fashion editorial type of stuff right it's like, actually editorial well yeah fashion editorial i actually i prefer editorial now so it doesn't necessarily have to be fashion related i just like the concept of telling a story okay you know making people feel something or a specific mood um but I got into it originally. I used to edit photos. I used to do graphic design, actually, originally. Well, before I was doing graphic design, I did art. I did painting. I did drawing, um, airbrushing. I wanted to have a t-shirt brand. Um, I did uh, a little bit of everything. Then I did graffiti as well for a long time when I was no younger. Shit. No shit. Yeah. That uh, changed my life in a lot of ways. How's both Positive and negative. Um, I have a a lot of well i have a lot of injuries related to graffiti, to, um, to graffiti yeah just falling off of like freeway medians and shit like that that's exactly it yeah no yeah. oh so you were hardcore about it yeah i was hardcore well so, so just like knowing you and like for folks that don't have the pleasure of like getting to train with franklin like you go pretty hard in the paint like you're you're not i mean you're you're a great training partner you're you're a great friend but you're also there to fucking train I mean, I train every day. I take you it train every serious, day. Yeah, it depends yeah. on who I'm rolling with. I do tend to match the intensity of my you know, uh, yeah. opponent. Yeah. So if we're going, we're but, going. You know, but I, I, I don't. I, I guess what I'm saying is like you seem like the type of guy once you decide to do something, you're gonna do it. Yeah, that's true. So you decide to do graffiti, and before you know it, your fucking buddy's holding you by the shins like this while you're like signing your name upside down on the fucking. Yeah, yeah I think my biggest turning point is uh. When I woke up on uh, the side of the freeway, I look up at my hand because I can't use it to get up. Oh, my God. And I and I realize that something's wrong when these <laughs> fingers are touching my forearm, you know? Oh, my that God. Was somewhat dude, of a did you, like, break point. your wrist or what happened? Yeah, I've broken the wrist. I've broken my ankle. I've hung off a of barbed wire. I probably shouldn't be sharing these things. No, I think it's okay. Yeah. I think it's all right. I think you're past the statute of limitations. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I am, though. It's been a long time. So this, was, this was, was down in L.A. County, exactly? <laughs> yeah, so this was... So I lived in Los Angeles for about 28 years. I lived all over the place. Koreatown, Hollywood, the San Fernando Valley, um... 
South LA, um, different places. Um, so yeah, it was all over Los Angeles pretty much. My, um, my last assignment in the, in the legislature was for Jimmy Gomez, who represented like Koreatown, Echo Park, nice. the 51st district. And, uh, though I didn't work for, for very long for him, I kind of, for a little bit, got to put my finger on the pulse of the issues down there, you know, sort of, um, like this big community that was at one point a melting pot is now facing rapid gentrification, you know, and sort of how, to, how does a community sort of grow with these pains, you know, and sort of continue to keep its continuity of character while being infused with, with, with people of a socioeconomic background that would otherwise avoid these communities, you know, now they're coming back. Um, but, you know, the, those communities are just like such a rich, just have such rich cultural backgrounds, you know, like Koreatown and specific, my, my girlfriend and I went down there to, to walk a precinct for, for Jimmy. And uh, we're just like, fuck, this is like, there's just so much fucking culture here. You know, there's not a ton of culture like in, in other places that you might go in Northern California, but like those, those like little, those little neighborhoods in LA are just filled with so much culture. I think, And the graffiti culture too. There's just like, like the hip hop heads are doing their fucking thing. Like the Koreans are doing their thing. Like the Mexicans are doing their thing. The only thing, the only thing about it is that they're all like separated. Like there's Koreatown and then uh, there's like a, like a certain part of Hollywood was originally like the Armenian area. Okay. And then you have your Hispanic areas. Like East LA is all, all Hispanic. All Hispanic, like yeah. 99% of it is Hispanic. Um, so people like the San Fernando Valley, like Glendale is a big Ar- Armenian population. The San Fernando Valley is a big Jewish population. So they're all segregated. I think a big difference with Los Angeles and Sacramento is the Sacramento, everyone's kind of combined. Mm-hmm. Like I remember the first time I came out here, not the first time, but the first few, one of the first few times I went to Socalos in, in Midtown. Yeah. Yeah. That place is awesome. On a Friday. And, um, I was having dinner and I look at the table next to me and you have a little bit of every type of person sitting in one table. Like you don't really see that in Los Angeles too much. I get that. So it's a, because the neighborhoods are a little bit more fractured. It's, it's a little bit more naturally segregated. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, they do call Sacramento like the most diverse city in the country or and something like that. And it truly is. Maybe New York before Sacramento, in my opinion, New York City. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, definitely. So, but what got you into graffiti? You just oh. thought it was cool? Um, and I actually was influenced by my older brother who had a, was really into that when I was, when I was a little kid, I was four or five years old just watching him and. You know, you look up to your older brothers. Um, of course, so you want to do everything they they are doing, whether whether they tell you to do it or not. You're going to do it, right? Yeah. Right. You just see the behavior, and you're like, "Oh, cool." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen that movie? Um, I'm sorry, the movie with that kid with Robert De Niro and the kid, um, where the little the, the kid starts to date the black girl in New York City. A Bronx, a Bronx Tale. Tale. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So your you dad's ever see a that real tough guy? <laughs> you ever see that part where the gangster guy? who's like kind of like a father figure for him tells him never be like me, never do these things. And now I'm like, you watch that and you're like, that, that doesn't work that way. Life doesn't work. That no, way. Not, not with kids. Be exactly not with kids. the way that he is, whether you tell him to be like you or not. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, that's literally what they mean by role models. Yeah. Exactly. You know, like you get like, like Dennis Rodman. It's like, I never chose to be a role model. Yeah. Like, well, no fucker. You're, like you're you're the big bad basketball player and people want to be like you and you're running around with a fucking wig and, and a wedding dress on like yeah you know 
Um, although, actually, you know what's interesting? Dennis Rodman would probably be totally acceptable by today's standards. That's what I was exactly thinking right now. I was like, that would be okay today. It would be celebrated. Know? Yeah. Be no told- one really gave him that much crap about it. I mean, that guy was the best at rebounds. That guy did some amazing things. I was a huge fan of Dennis Rodman. Because one of my I other actually, brothers... I, I, <laughs> One of my ahead, other brothers ahead. was into he was into basketball, yeah. so I loved basketball. Nowadays, he he thinks it's stupid basketball because he lives in New York City, so he's a big football fan. But um, I was really into basketball, and I was really into the Bulls at the time. Um, this is like back in the days when like the Lakers were like their their rival was like the was Utah like, Jazz, yeah, you know, yeah Stockton yeah. and Karl Malone, things like that. But anyways, going back, back to what I was saying, so the reason um, I got into it was because of that. And um, I started doing art as well. Because your older brother was into it. Yeah. And because and I did what, it for What so neighborhood many in LA years. were you living when, when this was going on? Um, at the time, this would be more like middle school and high school, which I was like in the San Fernando Valley, which is the suburbs of Los Angeles. Okay. The term Valley Girl comes from right there. Okay. So most we, movies are filmed in that area. When you're walking home from school, are you walking past a lot of graffiti that inspires you, or are you walking past none and it makes you want to change that? Wait, sorry. It inspires me when I walk. Well, you're like the neighborhood that you grew up in, right? You're like walking around, like just like your daily life. You're walking past or driving past a lot of graffiti, and it inspires you, or you don't see any in your immediate neighborhood, and you're like, ah, maybe I want to change that. Which of the two? Um, so I didn't see much in my neighborhood where I lived. Um, just because it was the suburbs, uh, if there was any graffiti, it would get taken down right away. Immediately. I um. Which is, I guess, what kind of caused me to explore, like, on the weekends. Like, I was a kid, like a teenager. I told my mom, I'm going to go to my friend's house, and we would take off. We would get on a bus, have no idea where we were going. We would go all over downtown LA. We'd go to Venice Beach, Santa Monica, and we would go look at graffiti. Like, we would spend three, four hours just to go look at some mural that we saw online. Nice. And we would spend our entire day just doing that. I think just about checking, it now. Just we're, checking it out. We were fucking losers. I think about <laughs> it you know, when I, um, when I started, when I started sort of messing around with MMA was at a, um, Alliance in Chula Vista. And they had a, they were a pretty big facility. They were about as big as, as Alpha Male is. That's where, um. Dominic Cruz. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. And, uh, Brandon Barra. Yeah. And so um, they had like these two walls like facing the alley and they were just like, I don't know, they put the word out like just, you know, taggers fucking go crazy. But it was kind of cool. Like every couple of weeks you'd go by and it'd be like, you know, like one like one month it's like a giant sneaker, you know, another month you go by it's like a fucking alien smoking a cigarette or something, you know, another month you go by. It's like just some guy's initials like done in calligraphy. It's super cool, you know. Um, so you you decide to stop because you, you, you just keep racking up these injuries. I mean, that really wasn't the reason for me stopping, but um, I think I just I grew up. You grew you know? up. I've been yeah, on my fair. own. Uh, my my so my parents and my family moved away to the east coast when i was like really young 17 so i stayed on my own so the fact that you have to pay for your own rent your own bills it makes you grow up really fast i'll bet you know and i i think i was growing up so you moved out real young yeah i was growing up at a faster rate than everybody around me you know and it got to the point where my friends became the people i was working with you know got it got it 
Was that the sort of thing like you just wanted your independence or just it was just time to move out or I I I really liked where I lived. Um I didn't want to move to some small country town in the East Coast. No offense to anyone that lives out there. Um I, I think I had just gotten to that age where like I truly started appreciating everything around me. Yeah. yeah. I was really I like I told you I I would get on a bus or a train and just travel the city. I got to know every corner of that city. Like I can drive you anywhere uh, within like a 100 mile radius in Los Angeles. Show you everything. You just kind of know, the, know yeah. the area. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then I started driving when I was 16 and then well, I got my actual car when I was 16 and um, then I fell in love with the city where I lived. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, no, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, so that's how I got into that. I used to go to San Diego a lot as well. I, dude, I, I miss I miss San Diego a lot. Yeah, I miss San Diego. I miss a lot. San Diego for you. You know that? <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. So well, you were down there recently. Yeah, I go out down there a lot. Some of my family is there, and I just love going down there. I think they have the nicest beaches in all of California. Oh, for sure. Yeah. La Jolla. Oh yeah, it's beautiful. I saw you. Um, you had pictures with your family, like on the it was either Sunset Cliffs or the La Jolla. I was La at the La Jolla Cove. Yeah, it's so just, just on gorgeous. The other side. It's just gorgeous. Yeah, I took my daughter to, to uh, to see it. She was just staring at everything. Oh, she's only, she was probably what five months at the time, <laughs> but she's the most interesting baby. She's just she's fascinated by everything. Like she'll stare at everything. Yeah, yeah. Like inquisitive. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of cool. You um. You're gonna have to go down and make that memory again when she when she's able to like remember it. Yeah, and that's the plan. But I took photos, you know, so she could see it. I printed them out, put them up around the house. She could see them one day and be like, "I want to go there again." So we'll go there. <laughs> that's again. super cool. That's the one thing I miss about not living in the central part of California is the ocean. Yeah, that's I miss so the ocean. Important. I miss the ocean a lot too. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to pack the car up with my surfboard and my wetsuit and get out in the water pretty soon here. Yeah. Um. You know, these wetsuit, this wetsuit technology is pretty good, let me tell you. Um, for anybody that owns a wetsuit but might still be kind of hesitant to, to get out there in the winter, you'll be fine. You will totally be fine. That wetsuit technology works really well. Um, I grew up surfing, so it's a tough transition for me. You know, the, the plan is to move back at some point, but it's sort of like, <laughs> you know, shit, if I can't do it now, I'm like, I have no kids. I think kids. about that, too. Yeah. What brought you up here? Too. What brought you up here? So my wife grew up here. Um, her whole family is here. I uh, LA has become a very, a very inaffordable, gentrified place to live. Um, it's very, it's it, it's just absolutely unrealistic. Unless you grew up there and your family owns land and properties, and where you no longer have a mortgage, or maybe you have a mortgage from the '90s or something like that, then right. you're okay. But just to live there, it, it's unrealistic. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's kind of a, um, you know, the way I like to think about it or explain it to people, it's kind of like the the beach. You go to the beach, and you get into the water, and as much as you want to go in further, the waves keep pushing you back. That's exactly what LA is. Oh my God, that's rough. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Damn, that's well put. But yeah, you know, it, like for San Diego too. Like there's, I'd like nothing better. At least I say to myself than to live like in a San Diego beach community. The way those San Diego beach communities work is they're all behind a little hill. And there's no way in or out of the beach community except for one traffic light, which is like the one break in the hill. You know, but they're all like Ocean Beach is behind a hill. Actually, Ocean Beach is behind a harbor. Mm -hmm. La Jolla is behind a hill. Pacific Beach is behind a hill. 
you know, Carlsbad's behind a hill. So there's like that, they find like the one break in the hill from the one hill to the next hill. And they put a fucking giant artery road in there. And then at five o'clock at night, all of Ocean Beach is coming back home. You know, so for that one stoplight, you know, in the 90s, it took you 10 minutes. In 2000s, it took you maybe 15 minutes. Now it's taking you 25 minutes, yeah, 30 minutes. Yeah, another problem. It's becoming overcrowded. Yeah, yeah. You know, like we weren't, we weren't like, those communities were never planned to handle that sort of density. You know, and that's more broadly, that's going to be a bigger and bigger problem for the rest of the world is, is sort of how we continue to figure out packing people tighter and tighter in, you know, um, that shit makes people crazy. I agree. It made me crazy. Did it really? It made it made me crazy a little bit. It made a lot of people around me crazy. I used to take uh, I used to take I used to work in downtown LA for years and I well this was even not even too long ago, like right before I moved here. And um I would take the the red line, which is uh it goes from North Hollywood to downtown and I would take that every single day and like I remember that Every day, my task was to make it on that train before every single person did so that I can actually grab a seat, not have to deal with all the people standing around, not have to deal with all the people walking up and down the escalators, especially on days it didn't work, trying to get the earliest bus so I can get home on time, two hours of that just to get home. Then I realized I was basically commuting four hours a day. And working eight. Yeah. Yeah. insane. Yeah. There's no quality of life in that. No, there isn't. Yeah. Well... I worked in in uh, San Francisco for a little while. Yeah, and I was commuting from here. That's insane. It was like two days a week, and then the other three days I'd be, I'd be here in Sacramento. I'm like, what? This is crazy. I quit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't quit. I found another job. But it's were like, you doing like similar work? Yeah, yeah. I was working for the. Um, I was working for the president of the utilities commission, okay. but they're out in San Francisco. And so he wanted me here to do like Sacramento stuff with him, but the main base is over in San Francisco. So I kind of had to go over there and do some stuff over there too. And I, I was just like, this is crazy. This is fucking crazy. I don't want to fucking live like this, you know? Yeah. Um, aside from, aside from that, like the, 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 the place had some real cultural problems and I was not sort of um, in a, in a good position to, sort of tackle the issues that they wanted me to tackle. Yeah. So having this taken like an honest assessment of the, of my chances of success in, in, in the assignment, I was like, maybe I'll just, maybe I'll just go do something else. So I did, you know, how long did you do that? Uh, six months, oh, okay. six, seven well, months. That's not too bad. Yeah, no, I got in, I, I got in, I, I, I you nice. know, I went in with open arms. I, I really did. I went in with open arms. I wanted to do it. I, I wanted to, I, I want to be in San Francisco so bad. That, that's do actually. You, do you really? Yeah, that's no, actually part that, of the reason that why city smells I came like piss. this far up. But I'm from Los Angeles. I'm used to. Oh, piss. they're nothing alike. They're used to piss. <laughs> I'm used to piss. Yeah, piss don't bother me no more. Me. Yeah, I I think it's just ridiculous the the price to live in San Francisco. Bro, it's like, like if it's I had like a million dollars, it's like fifteen hundred for a room. 1500 if you're sharing a room dude oh, like, really? yeah. like that yeah if you're sharing a room with a roommate right now at the price that real estate's at right now i so wait, wait, I, I it's like into three thousand like, bucks for a room like if let's say yeah it's it's ridiculous a month? like that you could probably get you could probably share in berkeley uh oh, oh maybe like a studio apartment for 1500 uh, with two people each 
It's about $3,000. It's ridiculous. It's the most expensive real estate in the country. I would probably even say the world. It's a hefty tariff. Yeah. You know, if you have a million dollars, you can make a a normal down payment on a home in San Francisco and then still have a 30-year mortgage. (laughs) It's ridiculous. I wish I would have bought a home there in the 90s. What was it like in the 90s? Reasonable? Uh, Nothing. It wasn't reasonable, but it was nothing like what it is today. I mean, uh, if you if you purchased a home there in the '90s and haven't refinanced it and you still have that mortgage on it, you're actually wealthy. Um, in in assets, you're wealthy. Yeah, you could sell it. Not move, liquid cash, but you could sell it, and move to South Salido or something. Oh yeah. you can even sell it at a at a little discount and still be very wealthy. I mean, uh, your average home there probably what's your average home price in San Francisco? Maybe like two million dollars. Yeah, two three. I don't million. understand how the people live there. I feel like there's a lot of people in San Francisco who are just kind of like casually homeless. Like, yeah. I live in my van. I do this. I do that. Like, I couch surf. Honestly, I'd rather live in New York City than San Francisco. I went to New York City, man. I, Haley and I, we, we, we were in New York recently. Uh, it's Everyone's there is, like, pissed off and in a hurry. Yeah. You like well, that's that? because when you're going up the escalators, you shouldn't stand next to each other. You know, you should form up person, in a line. You should be on the right side. And let the, you know, fast lane, the people in a hurry, go up the left. Um, people are just in a rush. They have somewhere to be. You know, everybody takes the metro. My brother lives there. So I go visit him from time to time. Um, my uh, my mom, my siblings, they live about 60 miles from the city. So yeah. it's very similar to like us living here in Sacramento and commuting to San Francisco. I think the commute from here to San Francisco is worse. Trying to get through the, the Golden Gate Bridge, it's Worse than trying to get through the. I don't. Know, I don't understand why they didn't like just put a tunnel through the bay. Yeah, that's a good idea. You know, it's a good question. Yeah, like, and I'd actually love to see some numbers on like. Is, I guess is they didn't put the expense? tunnel through the bay because they have two bridges. Yeah, yeah. Same. I mean, same exact thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, when did you start training jujitsu? I started training jujitsu at the end of 2012, so it hasn't been that five long. years now. Yeah. Hey, five years of purple belt. That's not. That's not bad. That's not. Yeah. I mean, I think I would say it's pretty. You're, normal, you're there like it's church. You're there. That? You're there like it's church. You're there like every, I told you. Right. Basically, my life revolves around my jujitsu schedule. Like one of my friends would be like, "Hey, next month on the 13th, I'm having this thing training." I'm like, I don't. T- I don't even tell them that because I, I never share stuff like that with people. You know, they'll start making karate mo- noises or other crap. I, I oh, if you tell them I'll be you like train. I'm like yeah I can be there actually at I, I start calculating how quick I can get home yeah. <laughs> shower um, armbar soap uh, get ready <laughs> go <laughs> um, go to the actual whatever event I'm supposed to go to and usually it doesn't work out so I just like don't go right but right. Um, I actually revolve my schedule around them um, my you- first two and a half years I did two classes a day six days a week. Without that's stopping. what people don't get. That's what people don't get. Like to all you guys doing it casually, two or three days a week. We love you. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, if you talk about putting down a solid foundation, like a solid foundation to learn from, I think you got to like sacrifice your body a little bit and give it a good nine to twelve times a week for the first two to three years to really just get it to get it in your bones to get it in your nervous system to like to stop thinking about it when you're doing it right yeah and and i trained in in a school where there wasn't any new students so i was the only white belt 
I walked in there like what, are, just you, what beat, are you doing? They're all here? just beating that ass. They're like they're like, Who are you? What are you doing here? You know, and and um they were all purple, brown, and then um black, that's it. And I was the only new guy for about maybe Damn, dude. Maybe about a year until we moved to another school yeah. where, you know, it was time to actually attract new students because you needed to pay the rent. So new people came in, but I was the only one there. So every single day I'll, I got choked every single day. I guess that's why I kept coming back. Really? Yeah. You felt like you were getting better? Not that I. Yeah, no, I was definitely getting better, but uh, I kept coming back because I don't know. Like I, you kind of need that. Sometimes like you need someone to beat the shit out of you sometimes. I know that sounds weird, but there's a lot of, not a lot of people. There's a small group of people that understand that. Like you really have to go somewhere sometimes for somebody to just fucking to fuck you up, fuck you up, you know, even though you're going 100%. No, it's true. I mean, I, I am at a point where I don't get my ass beat a lot anymore. And you know, your ego gets used to it. Or, you know, you get used to it. You get used to sort of, like, comfortable jujitsu, And that's but not good. It's not good. No, it's not good. Dude, that's how you. That's how people die. You know? Like, in their... <laughs> <laughs> it's like laziness, you know? It's like, oh, that's how people die in their soul and, and, in, and in real life. Um, but, yeah, like, every once in a while, like, I'll, I'll go. So, like, Jordan will beat my ass. Or someone else will be like, fuck, that was actually... I hate to admit it, but I think that was good for me. I think I need to That's seek really out. Good for you. I need to seek out opportunities to get my ass beat. You know, when I was a kid, when I was wrestling, someone told me the way you get better is by getting your ass beat. So I would just That's go true. and like look for I it. I truly believe that. I would just go and look for it. You know, yeah. but it's really rough, man. Yeah, no, I remember when I was a kid, my older brother, the one that I told you I would really look up to, and I would do a lot of, I would always follow in his footsteps. I remember we were, it's like six, seven years old, and. We lived in um, an area of like southern Los Angeles, not the greatest neighborhood. You've even heard of you because you're into yeah. politics. I've heard of them in the news when the local um, city was basically uh, using money for other purposes and they got into a whole lawsuit. But anyway, Wait, was it Vernon? No. Bell Gardens. Yeah. That oh. Area, that area. Well, yeah. Bell, Huntington Park, Bell. So yeah. I grew up in that area, right? Which is like 99% Hispanic community. There's nothing but gangs. Uh, I think everybody we knew when I was a kid is dead. You know, that's how bad that area is before we moved out of there, you know. But um, I remember my my brother would, uh, we would be in the alley and we, people would put on boxing gloves and just box. <laughs> and my brother would be like, all right, yeah. you're going to box this kid. And this kid was like three, four years older than me and actually like did boxing glasses in some like, like like Mexican gym somewhere locally, and like I would get my ass beat all the time. But like you, you become tough, you right? Know? Right. Um, so I think it, it. I don't know. You evolve. You yeah, know? yeah. What is your assessment of the state of toughness in jujitsu? What do you, can you? What do you mean by that? You're um, you're a pretty tough guy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so this is so a, you know you know what I mean like you're absolutely more like the folks that you run into on the mat are tougher than you usually not as tough maybe not as tough but not far behind or you kind of have to like say to yourself man they were kind of soft no i mean uh well we roll with a lot of white belts 
Our gym is flooded with white belts now. I hate that right now. I find it. I find it hard time. All the marketing that Uriah is doing, our gym is flooded with white belts. I find it hard to even go to class. That's why I I haven't been as as present so much. I'm just going to these open mats out of the schools right now. I I can no longer. Yeah, I do that sometimes. Well, I used to do it a lot more before, but I kind of stopped caring so much. You know, when you partner up with a new guy, yeah. Usually, you know, you show him, you know, how to do moves, things like that. But if I you get, care, yeah. Well, <laughs> this is the shit. thing is that I don't anymore. But I used to. I used to, like, I used to like spend my time trying to teach these guys, you know, why it is we do this move this way and yeah. what will happen in the counter to the counter. And then they would never come back again, and it would break my heart. So after that, you'd be like, "Why did I give that fool? Why did I bless him, fucker?" <laughs> so after that, like, I, I'm just so tired of going through that over and over. And um, I pretty much just practice my heel hooks now with white belts. <laughs> no, no, I don't. But no, no, like, That's okay. I, I basically play around. And when I go with um, almost everybody, believe it or not, almost everybody I go with, like, I, I, I'm basically always on defense. I don't even play i don't even go for grips first you know but when i go with and and i let them move like i want to see what they're doing and then when i realize you could tell right away within five seconds the second somebody grabs like your kimono or if grabs, they're any good yeah not not if they're any good you could actually kind of gauge well at least i do that you can gauge what level they're at you yeah. know and that's kind of what determines the rest of the round and i would say probably most of the time you know, they they don't have the greatest grip or, or they're just like this the whole time and they're not grabbing grips. You know, it's very important to grab grips immediately. Immediately, you know? yeah. That's the first thing. That's otherwise you're always a step behind. That's like in like in chess, like the the center nines the center like the center like eight or nine squares of the of the of the board, you know? Like the like that, that cent the center center of the board. Absolutely. Uh, like, my my older brother taught me that. So my family's huge into chess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you're right. The second you move that pawn past the very middle, yeah. you're already you're overstended. Yeah. Of the game. Yeah. The person is always a step behind you from then on. Yeah, yeah. So like you gotta control those like you gotta control those center nine squares. So like in the first like the first like eight to ten moves of chess, you shouldn't be moving anything out like like in the the very edges, nothing out there should be getting moved until you deploy your shit to the center. You Not know what just, I mean? It's kind of like the like the thing that you're saying about grips. It's like get your grips. Don't do anything else. Get your get your grips first. And, and the strategy part about chess, because I'm a huge fan of chess. Um, so those first, like you said, eight to nine moves. Every move that you make is with intention, and don't ever go back. Yeah. You move forward, and that's it. You don't move and then decide. Oh, I need to move this back. Because I'm jeopardizing a certain piece or, or the game is not going as planned. Like you need to have it planned. And when you're going forward, you don't, there's no turning back. Yeah. 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 And the same thing with jujitsu. Like, but with these, a lot of the, you know, the white belts that we have now, or even some of the, we've got a lot of or, white. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that's just a product of getting better. That's just a lot yeah. of product of getting better though. Cause like you're, I think a lot of these blue belts that we have aren't actually that bad, but you're just like, you're just so much better that it's like hard to it's hard to gauge their competency you know like I'll, I'll watch two blue belts go and I'll be like well shit I kind of expected this guy to, to fuck that other guy up and then like the opposite will happen and you'll realize that you just have no notion of their core competencies because you're just like cutting through all their shit like so you have no idea what they're actually good at yeah you know it's tough to that's where instruction really comes in worth. It can actually like slow them down and be like, all right, let me figure out what you're good at. Let me figure out what you're bad at, you know? 
Yeah. You know what also throws you off is um, no gi. Because like in like with with the gi and the belts, you kind of have some notion of what to expect in terms of like, all right, it's a white belt, blue belt, whatever. But no, this guy fooled me last Thursday. This guy fucking fooled me. He's like, you know, he's like built pretty tough. He's like built like, like, like really built actually. And he's like young and uh, he didn't have the cauliflower ear, but he just kind of looked like a fighter. I don't know why. Maybe I just projected that onto him. And he's got like a rash guard that's like from some like brand. And he's got like some shorts that say like, you know, no gi tournament, whatever. So I'm thinking, all right, this, this guy is like the real, you know, this guy's like the exact same thing. I think. Yeah. Yeah. This guy's going to like fucking, this guy wants to roll. All right. And you know, cause I've not rolled with him in the past out of courtesy. You kind of, you know, first 30 seconds, one of those assholes. Okay. You know, out of courtesy for the first 30 <laughs> seconds, you just kind of like see what they're about, you know, before you really, yeah. before you really start imposing your game. And it dawned on me immediately that he's incompetent. And I'm just like, and my heart just sank. I was like, fuck, I gotta like, I got to tread water with this retard for the next 10 minutes. You, you know, know, something interesting about that. So I, I'm not in an athletic shape. I don't look like I do martial arts. I don't even talk about it outside of the gym. You're pretty imposing, but, man. Like, I don't know. Dude, you're, you're every bit as strong as I am, I'd say. You know, like, we get into it. I'm just like, fuck, yeah, Franklin. You're definitely stronger than me, but yeah. That's what people say, but I don't always feel it. No, no, you're definitely stronger than me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh look i i so i go into the nogi class which i, I rarely do usually i'll either do uh, um alex munio's uh wrestling class or i'll go to like davin's um team maxwell school or i'll go to some other old matter or something right yeah but um I'll, I'll go into you know with the pros and yeah. train nogi with them and and they see me and they don't they don't even want to roll with me. And I don't wear cool gear, you know, I wear fucking shorts. Yeah, I, I wear my Walmart gear and, and a regular <laughs> like, t shirt. Like and running, like they're like just like, shorts. Oh, like, oh shit, I guess I gotta roll with this guy next and, and then you fuck him up. Yeah, yeah I'm not gonna <laughs> say I fuck, fuck him up, up, but I'll tap him out or something. A lot, yeah. of, those, then, a lot of those pros don't know proper jujitsu. Yeah, that too, but that's another story. Well, I wanna get but into that in a second. The, the, the funny thing is that at the end, they I swear to you, I get this so much, they're like I had no idea you were that fast. I had no idea you were that strong or that technical. I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, okay. But I get that a lot. Yeah. So I, yeah. I don't look like I, like I even train. So I don't, and I don't even talk about it outside of work. People, like, what do you do for fun or as a hobby? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I kind of train martial arts. And then they start making karate noises. I and hate that shit. Like that. Yeah, it pisses me off. I hate that shit. Yeah. So I guess that's why I don't talk about it. At my, you know, at my last job, I think people thought that I was like a scary MMA fighter or something. And I'm like, the, I'm a teddy bear. Yeah. I'm actually not a is teddy bear. Is it the ears? Man. See, I don't have cauliflower. No, I don't have the ears. I, you I know, I have, have, I have a little bit I don't, of one ear. I don't force my way out of headlocks. As you know, whenever you get me in a headlock, I yeah. kind of hang out and you find figure, You way figure out. it out. Yeah. <clears throat> actually, let's talk about this for a second. I believe that those head, that, that headgear produces cauliflower ear by causing like constant friction against your ear. You know? Just don't have bad head position. I've been grappling for 15 fucking years and I got one little dot of cauliflower on my right ear, you know? And you can't even, like, frankly, you you can't even really tell, you yeah. know? Um, that's because I don't force my, just like you said, yeah. exactly what you said. I don't force my way out of headlocks. Find a I don't, way to get out. I don't push people with the side of my fucking head. Yeah. You know? Don't push with the side well, of your head. Well, push with your forehead. You know that some people, like, like, it's an honor to have them and some people grab a towel or a gi. Yeah. Just... That's so dumb. Um, Amir, Amir did that. 
<laughs> he's gonna probably get pissed he's about this year. Well, he did, I've been wondering why he's got that cauliflower ear. The, as yeah. big as it is, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean he didn't. He didn't do. He didn't do that. But he before he got his, because I've known him since before he had cauliflower. So I've known him for a while, and he was like, "Bro, I'm." I'm he's like, "Bro, I'm, I'm waiting on this cauliflower to grow in." <laughs> he's like, "He's like, almost like I'm praying for it, you know." Like, yeah. But he's like, "I'm waiting for this stuff to come in." I'm like, "Why?" And he's like, "I'll look like a fighter, man. I want people to know." <laughs> And I'm like, dude, shut <laughs> up, man. You don't want it. You don't actually Have want it. Have you seen it. that one meme? The one that's like, if you develop cauliflower ear at white belt, you might as well keep training. Otherwise, you're just going to be some ugly dude that can't fight. Right. That's some shit. Yeah. Yeah. And Dustin. Um, Dustin. I'm traumatized of cauliflower because Dustin said, yeah, man, girls ask me if it's a tumor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? It, um. It looks okay to a point. A little bit of cauliflower, that's okay. You can kind of wear it like a Prussian scar, you know, like yeah. like the Prussians like purposely scar their faces, like to to look like they've been in battle. A little bit is okay, but you get like some real nasty shit, like like some Darren Elkins level cauliflower, where it's just like this fucking like it looks like a beet or a tomato like grown out of your fucking. Especially ear. when it like breaks in half. Oh my god! Like. Like two, like your ears and like two, it looks like horns. It's insane. Yeah. That's they sell all kinds of stuff now. Like you can actually like, um, get the magnets now or you can drain it and even get like a, they do like a stitching where they like sew it and stuff. Um, the that's mag- what I the would magnets do. magnets seem really painful. Really? They do to me. I don't know. And they're pretty cheap. They're like a hundred bucks or something like that. There's an actual company that sells it. No Maybe shit. they should sponsor your podcast. Maybe they should. Magnet should folks. Like, this, is the reason, this is why my ears look this good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. So going back to that sort of fooling you with like the no gi stuff, like this guy in the gear, dude, he just got me. I thought, I, you know, he had the gear. He looked tough. I thought he was ready to roll. Turns out he's a total fucking pussy. I hate that. He probably, he's probably a fan of the show. Fuck, I hope he's I hope he's not listening. Yeah. He's probably like you know, ah. he's like, I finally get to roll with this podcast guy. Yeah. That's I, fucked up. I he hope knows not. exactly who you are, Jabron. I fucking I hope <laughs> not. You, you know what though? You know what though? Um some of it is starting to hit me. Where like you're and you know, and for folks listening, this can be like really rewarding and also greatly disheartening. You know, so I, I was telling you this earlier. My wife is so wonderfully supportive. She's like, "Oh, you should go to a you should go to a seminar about starting your own business." So she sends me the information, and I I sign up, and it turns out that it's at like at the county welfare agency, and it's like full of crackheads. I'm like, "Fuck, I'm not gonna stay here. This is for like people on food stamps." You know, so. you'll have one or two people in there in that crowd of like 30 people that's like legitimately like some guy starting up his business has investments, investors, and everything. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Probably, actually. I just left. I, I just got there and I was like, this but honestly, is too those depressing. Guys usually walk out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got there and I was like, this is too depressing. This is rough. Like, they tried to sign. I, I got to the front desk and they tried to sign me up for food stamps. I'm like, I'm, I'm here for the business class. Wow. Because, well, because it was at a county welfare agency, you know? Yeah. So it's like, this can be greatly rewarding, but also like greatly, greatly, like just sort of like feel like, feel like shit sometimes. Um, but the point is, you get these moments where you're like, oh, shit, I think I might be getting somewhere. You know, Jason Pien, let me quick shout out to Jason. He was like, dude, he, so I saw him yesterday. He was like, dude, um, that thing you were talking about, about like growing up immigrant, like all the white kids and the Asian kids like sort into groups at recess. He's like, I went through that too. Like, I thought I was the only one. No shit. 
I went through that too. I just, want, I just had to tell you. I went through that too. I was like, well, no shit. I guess I'm fucking. I guess there's people out there actually fucking listening. I had no fucking. <laughs> I had no fucking clue. <laughs> you know, because like sometimes it can feel like you're just like. You're just like shouting in outer space and no one can hear you. Yeah. You know, you're kind of like waiting for this thing to go viral or whatever, and and and, and it never does. You know, and then other times you're just like, my buddy Mikey was like, oh yeah, my I was a. Uh, I was rolling. Uh, I was rolling down in Lodi, and someone was like, "Oh, have you heard that podcast?" I was like, "Oh, no shit." So it's kind of like that's cool. That's kind of cool. You right? Go out there often? That... No, dude. They, dude, they fucking thoroughly beat my ass, dude. I went down to the Nick Diaz. We should, we should go together. We should go together. But dude, they. I, I, I met Nick Diaz before, and he was like, "Yeah, man, come to my gym." I told him because this is before I moved to Sacramento, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go out there and." And train at these one gyms and stuff. And he's like, fuck that. Come to my gym. You know, <laughs> by the way, one of them, I met, I met him in Vegas. Okay. I'm not going to really talk about that night, but it's probably one of, he's one of the most humblest per- people yeah, on earth is. I've ever met in my entire life. Yeah. 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 He is. Yeah. He's no, he's the nicest guy. I, um, there was a period in time where I'd keep running into him at the mix here in town really yeah and so he um i'm not sure if he still recognizes me but there's a period in time when we just keep running into each other we had mutual friends in uriah and all these you know and so he i was like talking to him at the mix a little bit and he was he was in between fights but he was like getting ready for another fight or something like that he was like the nicest guy about stopping for selfies with fans and stuff like that and just talking to people but he kept handing me drinks all night because people kept buying him drinks he's like free he gets them for free. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, people buy me these drinks. I don't even drink. He's like, here, take, take, I don't want it. He's like basically buying me drinks all night, you know? Yeah, so, yeah those those brothers are uh, are really good dudes. I think they're among the smartest people in MMA, actually. Yeah. You know? I like their style a lot. I Actually, that's probably... Even I hadn't met him at this point. I was already training when I met him. But the reason I wanted to do jujitsu was actually because of the Diaz brothers. No shit. Yeah, I actually got. Well, I I started doing boxing, kickboxing, or Muay Thai. Do you still do any of that? At all? Not at all. Because I, I jujitsu is just too effective, or what? No, it's not that. It's because when I go to boxing class, I realized that I could just be doing jujitsu. <laughs> So I completely gave up on. I, I don't plan on getting into any fights. You know, if I do, then you know, hopefully it goes to the ground. I don't know, yeah. but it's just for fun. Yeah, it's just for fun. I'm not. I'm not trying to fight people. Yeah, me neither. You know, I'm too old for that. But yeah, they influenced me greatly. Like I, rem- like just watching his submissions, transitions. I had no idea what he was doing at the time. But so I got into boxing, kickboxing. I was doing that for a while, and then I started watching, you know, MMA and. Uh, they were, till this day, my favorite fighters are the Diaz brothers. No shit. Uh, yeah, till this day. And when I saw Nick Diaz and like what he was doing, like these like arm bar, these sick ass arm bar transitions, I had no idea what they were at the time. Off his back too. Yeah. 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 And he goes under people and twists inside. I don't even know, remember. I don't even know what they're called or the Gogo Plata stuff. Like I had no idea what he was doing, you know? But um, that's actually why I got into jujitsu, but it came more from like trying to get into like, like boxing and stuff like that. Um, and then I was just hooked. You know what's interesting to me about like the Diaz brothers in particular? They're like a real interesting study to me in sort of like perception and um, the way that you come off to people. 
Because if you if you ask like folks about the Diaz brothers, you know, like the the first thing that sort of comes to mind is like, oh yeah, those guys from Stockton that curse a lot and they like slap people and shit. You know, like they smoke a lot of weed, and they're kind of like incoherent on camera, but it's funny. You know, that's kind of like the rap on them. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're actually some of the most proper motherfuckers out there in the game. Yeah. Like they're, they're nothing like what you see on TV. No, the boxing is perfect. And, and I've spoken to the, uh, to, well, I've never met Nate, but I, speaking to Nick Diaz, speaks completely normal. Oh, yeah. Very well spoken. Yeah, yeah super well spoken. Yeah. But like, the, they're also both like, they're, they're both actually, Nate is still young, but even Nate was like a pioneer of MMA. Yeah. You know, and like in those, you know, Nick was at one, Nick fought Ken Shamrock. Yeah. Right. So, you know, he comes from that era of MMA where like people just didn't even know what the fuck they were doing. There was no notion like technique. I, I think what do you mean the technique? UFC 1999, right? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Before he ever went to like strike force. Yeah. Like, 18 fucking years ago. He was, he was in the UFC. Insane. And so like back, back in those days. Back in those days when, when Art Jimerson was wearing one glove and when we thought it was just style against style as opposed to mixing everything up, Nick Diaz had the you know the clarity of vision and the courage of conviction to like just judiciously stick to very clearly training two martial arts, you know, jujitsu and boxing and being proper in them. Everyone wants to think that they're these like unschooled hoodlums, but in fact they're the most proper guys around. Yeah. Their boxing is proper, their jab is proper, their jujitsu is proper. You know, but everyone thinks they're just these guys, these like uneducated guys. They're super educated. Yeah, they're super educated, you know, but it's like it's an interesting like exercise in perception. People just want to think, you know, people just want to think they they, they want to reinforce their belief. These guys are kind of unschooled hoodlums. In fact, they're like playing the game perfectly and they're like and their technique is fucking perfect. You know, it's, it's, it's really for me, it's really interesting to watch. You know, I hope Nate gets that third fight with Connor. Well, just suppos- to see him catch supposedly out. he's signing with another organization, leaving the UFC. Supposedly. Is he really? Yeah, that's what you know. That's what's been all over uh, BJ Penn and all those other places. That's where I get all my news. BJ From BJPenn.com. Penn? Yeah. How do you feel about the reliability of BJ Penn? You know, they're I don't know. They're I, I would uh, I think they're the TMZ of mixed martial arts, <laughs> meaning that. Um, it's a bunch of crap shit you don't want to hear. You get really tired of the way they. Uh, they report this, they report their news yeah. but fuck they're always ahead of ahead of you know everyone else and a lot of times everything they say is pretty accurate yeah, yeah. it's like the train wreck you don't want to look away from definitely things but these are actually really good yeah those are pretty good are you more into like IPAs or nah I'm not one of those people that says oh I only drink IPAs or I only drink, I'll drink anything I'll drink a Bud Light oh yeah yeah whatever yeah, yeah. I um I'm trying to get back into the lighter stuff and they're like Pilsners. You know who's into it is Gabe. He's I like, can see him being into specialty beers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But he likes like the specialty, like the Pilsners, like the um, the lower alcohol stuff. But he drinks them like they're water. Yeah. Dude, he, he'll go to the bartender and be like, give me two of them. He'll just <laughs> order them two at a time. Dude. Yeah, no. Now I'm at the point where I just want to enjoy my drink. I mean, I can pretty much, I could drink a Michelob Ultra. Yeah. Those are actually pretty good. Like Sixty-five calories. It yeah. takes like like thirty-four of them to get you know somewhat of a buzz though. Yeah, yeah. They're like two point eight percent alcohol or something. Are like you that. serious? They don't advertise their percentage of alcohol. So, so is alcohol? If anyone wants to wants to chime in on this, I'd, I'd love that. But is alcohol like directly related to um, 
calories consumed? Your question is about, because you've seen those alcohols where there's calories in it, but there's no carbs, no fats, and no carbohydrates. And I've seen people ask about that before. I actually recently saw someone post something about that. So I, I took a nutrition class. You no know, shit. like one of those, you know, it's a college required course. So I took a nutrition class and um, the first thing you learn in chapter one is that there's four sources of energy, right? Which is carbohydrate, fat, protein, and there's a fourth one, which is alcohol. So uh, alcohol is uh, actually a... Um, alcohol gets me, gives me a lot of energy. It's a know. source of energy, but the reason you don't study it and they don't put it on a nutrition facts label is because alcohol has no nutritional value. Oh, weird. So when you see the nutrition facts, it says zero calories, zero everything. But no, sorry. Alcohol. It says it'll say like 40 calories and zero everything. And you're like, where are the calories coming from? Right. Because each like uh, one carb, I believe, is four calories or okay. and so on. But uh, they, they can't they don't put alcohol on the nutrition facts because it's not a source of um, energy uh, oh, for, that has nutritional benefits. So that's why you never study it again. The nutrition. I feel like those nonetheless will give you energy. Yeah. Yeah, different kind of energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. that's so interesting. Um, those nutrition facts are all a crapshoot too. Like you did not scientifically analyze this one piece of tortellini, you know, to tell me what's exactly like what you're doing is you're giving me an like this is what you think is in this package. Yeah, that's what it is, right? Like the, the, you're giving. I mean, me, it's definitely not 100 accurate. Yeah, um, it's pretty accurate. Yeah, it's pretty accurate, but it's not it's like close, yeah. it's not like we measured the exact weight of the Snickers bar, and we're telling you. <laughs> and and the funny thing is that sometimes we're telling it happens you you're to getting have sixty four. It has calories. more of something. Sometimes it's bigger than it should be or smaller. Of so course, that's why yeah. I don't feel that it's actually accurate. And those things that's are a, just, that, yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're a bunch of bullshit because it's like the actual like the, people actually think that your calorie intake requirement is two thousand calories because of its stupid nutritional fact. But that's just giving you the it average calories greatly. that you. You should consume yeah it varies greatly yeah i think there's days that i have like four thousand there's days that i have one thousand yeah it depends on where i'm where i'm at when i'm on vacation i notice like Haley and i went to a bunch of vacations this <laughs> you guys year. are always on vacation yeah, always you guys are adventurous that. actually that's how i am as well my wife and i were uh, like that just we always go, going we'll go anywhere at, we're like, going to yeah. hey do you want to go to croatia next year croatia july 29th the last week in July, we're doing, cool. we're doing the, uh, I'll send you the information, but we're doing the yacht week. Okay. So you do a week on a yacht. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta be on a yacht with me. Okay. But, um, it's the, um, it's the Mediterranean Sea, sea I think. Uh-huh. And we go up and down the, up and down the coast of Croatia with like a hundred other yachts. And then at the end of, at the end of the day, at like four o'clock or whatever, we all like make a big circle with the yachts and then you just party till sunset and then your skipper fucking takes you in the morning. So we, awesome. yeah. So we got our own boat. Um, we got our own boat and we have the boat holds uh, 12 or 13 people and we got nine and now here's the thing about those european countries they need they need you to bring an equal amount of boys and girls so that's a lot better than the vegas requirements being from (laughs) southern california every friday was like hey what do you want to do tonight let's go to vegas so i've been to vegas a lot like i've got vegas stories for days i'll bet yeah, like the Hangover movies, like those are based on my. That's life. your life story. That's my life story. <laughs> That's your- <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking though. That's your biopic. But, but anyways, no, um, that's better. I mean, the in Vegas you need four girls for every one guy. 
Yeah. So when I was yeah. like younger, you would get like a group of like twenty girls, and then like me and like my three best buds, we would hey, we can get go in. in there. <laughs> we'd go in there with them. So yeah. we'd never pay. People pay like one hundred and eighty dollars, two hundred dollars to get in the club or to get into these clubs. That's crazy. They're overcrowded, and each drink is like minimum eighteen dollars, and they give you like a quarter of a shot. It's ridiculous. But so you know, fifty fifty. That's not bad at all. Yeah, it's not bad at all. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, we um, we're going. I'll send I'll send you the actual information. If you guys if you guys are free, we'd love we'd love for you guys to come. Everyone should uh, come. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we're we were on vacation. I noticed like days that I don't have like any stress, any meetings, no podcast to shoot, no nothing to write. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, shit, I had, like, one little meal that day, and I feel fine, you know, because your brain uses most of your calories, you know. So it really depends on what you got going on that day, like, in terms of what you should eat, you know. Uh, I'll notice, like, on, like, when I'm at work and it's not so busy, I don't get hungry till like, three or four because it's not so busy. You're not fucking yeah. freaked out, you know what I mean? So, yeah, those things are really just guidelines. They're not, like... They're, they're, they're guide- not things to live in. Live they're in they're guidelines for the average consumer. Yeah. That's yeah. that's all they need. Uh, yeah. Some people just need things simplified for them. They just yeah. need things laid out in front of them. And yeah. they're, I'm telling you, like, maybe 80% of the people in the world believe in the 2,000 calorie. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the whole, you need to drink eight glasses of water a day. Like, every people live by that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm close to a gallon of water a day. I drink about a gallon and a half to two. But we're both always sweating. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. That's it's and because not the same of that. Because of how much water we drink, we never take those water breaks when we're rolling. And we, man, yeah, we, I don't. We don't. Take we roll those water breaks pretty fucking pretty hard. hard. Yeah, like, we do. And we, we, our breaks are like thirty seconds in between rounds. Yeah. When I first got to, um, yeah, coach him at fitness. Coach is pretty. Coach is pretty tough about that. He's like, all right, guys, get right into it. When I first got to Ultimate Fitness, that was that was tough on me. Like I was used to taking three, four minutes. We would pause the, you know, the timer, and then we would go at it. And even then, we w- wasn't rolling anywhere near as hard. And I wasn't rolling with wrestlers. Yeah, yeah. When I, when, you know, when I first got there, uh, two people that changed the way I viewed jujitsu forever was actually you. No shit. Three people. You, you were probably the first person actually. Number two was Jordan. Uh, when I first got to the gym, Dustin was like, "Have you rolled with Jordan yet?" I was like, "Oh no, 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 no!" And, you know, that was <laughs> that. That was a, an awakening for me. And then um, Sanchez, uh, Matt, Matt Sanchez? Sanchez, yeah, he U3. actually he 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 changed my view with jujitsu too. Actually, yeah, you th- three did. Like I remember, it was you actually. You were you were a purple belt. Um, I had been already there for about a month. I don't think I had actually drilled or rolled with you. And then you showed up. And you're like, "Hey, you want to partner up?" I'm like, "Yeah, let's go." So, you know, we're doing our drills and we're actually learning um, uh, Kiss of the Dragon. That's reverse Telehiva. You go underneath and oh, take yeah. the back and you yeah. just, and I, I forget who was teaching, but you were just like, <laughs> I remember you saying, I don't understand how this is going to benefit me or like something like that. Yeah, it was, was the funniest thing dick. ever. But I was being a total dick. Yeah, I ah, forgot man. who was teaching. It wasn't Dustin because Dustin wouldn't teach that. I was a stronger personality back then. I, I hope I wouldn't do something <laughs> like that. No, it was cool. <laughs> and then when we like rolled, right? I was like, cool, we're going to roll. So we go our what? Yeah, by the way, eight minute rounds, ten minute rounds, yeah. it's not normal. It's not normal, no. It's not normal. But that's that's what we do. That's what we do. So, yeah. you know, the the clock, the timer goes off and I'm you know, I, I pull guard, which you probably notice I almost always, always pull guard. guard. Yeah. yeah. I I'm a firm believer that to be on top you need to earn it. 
Yeah. Nothing wrong with people that start on top. That's just my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Or at least that's that's what I tell myself, and it just helps me to work on my guard. You know. No, I, I mean your sweeps are pretty damn good because of a, it. Your sweeps are pretty fucking good. Man. It's at a point where if somebody passes my guard, it's insulting. <laughs> but I'm not. But I'm just kidding. But so I remember I went with you, right? And I forgot exactly what I went for. I think I went actually for just the regular Della Hilo. You know, mm-hmm. which I'm pretty, a lot of people aren't, especially at art school. They're not big on De La Hiva, but I, you know, I put in my De La Hiva, I start grabbing my grips and you just smashed. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. just smashed through it and you went from side control to a mounted, uh, triangle. I'm sorry. Uh, um, yeah. Um, yeah. Triangle trip. Right, right away. And yeah. that changed my view on things. Yeah. It just like the progression. Did. Yeah, no. Well, I I just never had anyone come at me that way as well with a wrestling background. Yeah, got it. And got everybody it. that we train with now has a wrestling background. Com- yeah. my my game completely evolved. And like, got it. Yeah, well, thank you. It. Now, like, I can use I'll use strength and pressure now. Yeah, yeah it wasn't yeah. like that before. Yeah, like don't be scared of it. Yeah, no, for sure. If it, you have it, you have it's it. It's kind of like the that that tall, lanky, flexible guy who uses his flexibility against me. You know, right? Because it's totally proper. You know, I can't tell him, hey, you can't use that flexibility. You can't use your fucking six, uh, like six foot long legs against me. You know, I'm, yeah. Same yeah. way they can't tell me to use my your strength. strength. Yeah, and I don't use it a hundred percent. I use it when I need to. So when I'm in that position where I'm like, oh, it's time for me to control. It's time for me to go. Yeah. Yeah. Just like Dustin. You'll see Dustin go into side control and just control someone. So I started implementing those things. I th- I don't know. I think it's really important. Yeah. Yeah. Sanchez changed my view of jujitsu when he he gave this like dissertation basically on how like wherever the head goes, the body must follow. And then you see him roll. Yeah. Like. But he like he really means it. Like you see him roll. Apparently he is like three and zero against Uriah in college wrestling. Yeah, yeah. He's, dude, he's like a Philo world champion. Like he's he's amazing. He's like legit. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen dude, he, this? So this he's guy. Amazing. I don't know what he does nowadays, but obviously oh, dude, he he's he's a baller. He's a baller. I know he's, he's a baller. A ball. He's a he's a fucking I've seen his car. Yeah, yeah. He's a baller, but um, I don't know him that well. But every time he comes in. We always roll, me and him, always. Yeah. I don't know if he his style's me different on, too on on purpose, but I've been. He does that thing where he tucks your head into your chin. He tucks your head into your chest, right? Yeah. And then he manipulates the rest of your body around that. Well, some yes, something like that. Or the thing that amazes me by him though is how flexible he is because he doesn't look flexible, but it comes from his like wrestling days. Like he was yeah. very flexible. Like I've heel, I've I've had a I, one time I I got him into a heel hook position, locked in. I'm pretty confident in my heel hooks like i'm i i i feel pretty confident in my leg attacks period like if we're in a tangle like i'm good yeah you know i don't panic i know what i'm doing i the whole time i got him into a heel hook position completely out of a ashigarami position okay. uh, or a single leg axe i guess you could say okay um in 50 50 and i had the heel hook began to you know crank it he didn't tap he's absolutely flexible yeah no he doesn't give a fuck <laughs> he yeah. doesn't uh, yeah i know matt he doesn't give a fuck fuck he doesn't give a flying fuck he's it's crazy to think he's even better nogi yeah like i've seen him roll with with him i've seen him roll with like tj and just like school tj yeah you know i mean just like world-class athletes like that you know um and he doesn't do jujitsu like this. He just he does it like whenever he, he does it like once a week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, after, well, after we're done, you know, drilling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he, well, it's actually really all based on his wrestling, which he did like for like fifteen years. And so he, yeah. his his like 
thesis statement is like as long as I can control like the corona of your head, like the this back portion of your head and turn your chin into your chest, if I can get that control from your chin to your chest, then I can turn the rest of your body around that. And then he kind of like manipulates you from that. You know, I've seen him do that with like his leg over a head. I've seen him like someone will get like really deep into a single or double leg and he'll just like stuff the back of their head into his chest real quick. And then he'll, he'll wind up reversing the position. I mean, he's, he's totally brilliant with that. It was, well, I mean, he's, he's got that funky style of wrestling. Yeah. His base is solid. Yeah. Like no matter where he is, he's in great base. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. And he did a good job of turning that into jujitsu. Yeah. How did Jordan change your view on things? So Jordan, so one thing I really respect about Jordan is how technical he is. For how um, big he is. Yeah, he's super technical. I think he's better than anyone his size because he's technical. Most people like his size and as strong as him, they're not that technical. Um, but he pulls guard every single time and he lets me work. And what kind of bugs me about that is that I get really like exhausted because that means I have to move. <laughs> and it's usually the opposite. I'm usually letting people move and seeing what they're doing. And then, you know, I counter things. I'm more of a counter grappler, I guess you could say. Um, so I have, you know, I, he, he pulled guard. I went with him. Dustin was like, yeah, yeah, you should go with Jordan. Yeah. You know, yeah. You try it out. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I jump in there and he just, he submitted me, I don't know, six times in like the first like 30 seconds. Yeah. The first time it was the first 30 seconds. Now he I definitely could, lets you know who's in charge. Go, yeah. Yeah. But he yeah. doesn't, he doesn't go like hard on me 100% of the time. He just waits until I get into a position where he can submit me and he does it. Yeah. And I, and I actually, I, I love rolling with that guy. Like I roll with him a lot. I probably roll with him more than anybody else that I roll with one. Cause he's always there. <laughs> yeah um and two because it, i learn and like i going back to what we were talking about earlier like i appreciate when people submit me when people like beat me at things because i'm the kind of person that i i adapt to the people i train with and i pick up things i really do i adapt to people's style and i learn their style and one thing you'll notice about me is that i always uh, like that'll be like it oh, kind of hey, changes you up every sort of yeah, yeah you do does. do that too yeah and then I told funny- you, we, we had a moment. <laughs> this is fucked up, but yeah, you asked me what, like six, five months ago, six months ago, what do you think I should work on? I was like, honestly, you should lose a little weight. Yeah. You, know? and you gave me other things. That was, no, that was the last thing you said. You know, you did yeah. the whole sandwich. I didn't go right into you that. You did the I, sandwich effect, right? Where like, like basically compliment. you go over the, the positive things first, you know, and then you go into some of the negative stuff and then you, you, you end basically, with the positive again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So kiss, kill, kiss. That's what you did. But no, first you, well, you started off with like some of the things that I need to work on. And I was like, okay, but you, not, I don't, you didn't realize, I, I don't believe you realized, but you basically just told me the ingredients to like you know, go against you. That's basically yeah. what you did. Yeah, that's, I did. That's exactly and you've gotten a lot better on. against me too. You <laughs> tapped me last time. Yeah, that was also coming out of off of my injury though. Okay, so you you got into an injury on a motorbike? No. What was it? <laughs> Nothing to do with that. So, I was um I came into class uh, October twenty eighth of twenty fifteen. Um, I was training for the worlds. Nogi, which was going to be in San Francisco, which was awesome. I was, which was in what December or November? I forget. Yeah, December. So this was right before November. So I was training for that. It felt great. And um, I went with one of the MMA guys, um, not somebody that I even think you know. Not really there. 
and um, he was training for his fight. Little did I know, he was a professional MMA fighter and and, and so on. But anyways, he was training for his fight. So he just kind of like, brought that temperament into it. Or? No, well, he was like, "Hey, let's. You want to roll?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure." So he's like, and and this is. I was actually like, like, in, I was speaking. I was feeling confident. Things were going well. I was training hard. Yeah, like, I mean, you've, I mean, you've six been days a week. Good. Yeah, I was training six good. days a week, twice a day, most of the time, um, and. So we go, right? We st- he's like, you want to start standing? I'm like, yeah, sure. And I realized he was an MMA guy. So I'm like, he probably wants to work on his standing. So we start standing. But you're no slouch on your feet. Yeah. You're no slouch on your feet. So you're okay there. So I, I, I hip tossed him. Right? Oh, my God. Slammed him on the ground. from Landed in sight control. Mounted. He put his arms to push me off of him. I took the arm and I armbarred him. So then we go again. We do the exact same thing again. Oh, my God. So the third time... He didn't let me even get to that point, and he just goes in for like a low single, grabs onto my knee, and just grabs just it with all his strength. Crunch. And you know, training with Dustin, one thing that you that you, that you the number one thing that I've learned training with Dustin is uh your sprawl. Oh I yeah. I sprawled fucking hard. I sprawled so hard. Yeah. And uh, you know the MMA guys they show you no mercy, so it's a very different yeah. type of uh, yeah rolling. So I, I sprawled on him pretty hard, and I was there, and I was like, I'm going to go for a choke. But then I'm like, no, let's see what he does. I want to see what he does. <laughs> and um, he wouldn't he wasn't doing anything. He just kept holding on, like, as hard oh, as he no. could. And I was like, whatever. I push his head down. I get back up, and I try to spin out. And when I try to spin out, he grabs onto my leg, and I end up landing in an awkward position. And then my knee pops out of place and makes this loud noise. And I just fall to the ground. And um, I basically, like, my... My knee was here and my foot was over here. My body was over here. And it was just, so I basically immediately popped it back into place. So I just grabbed it and went, and it it literally went boop, like really loud. Like you can hear everybody heard it around me, Uh. popped it back into place. I couldn't walk out of the gym that day, went home. And I was like, I was like, no. I've got a family to take care of, so that's, that's a little rough. But yeah, I went home. I was like, "Yeah, I gotta go to the hospital." My wife's like, "Shit, what happened?" And um, so we we go to the emergency room. Turns out, I I guess I dislocated my patella, which I did all these tests and stuff. It was pretty bad. I uh, I was out for three months, but I went back. To that's tra- right. You disappeared on me for a little bit, yeah. and I was like, "Where were you?" Well, yeah, and I went back to training before I was supposed to. I never told anyone. They sent me to physical therapy. The guy, the doctor, the sports doctor, which I went to one of the top sports doctors, not even realizing that I that I was. He uh, he's a sports doctor for like the Kings um, and the, the Sacramento um, the soccer team. What's it called? Republic. The Republic. Yeah. So he's their doctor. So I went to one of the top guys, and he was just like, like he examined me, and he was like, he's like, well, he goes, I don't think you need surgery. I think you need just need to go to physical therapy, which is what I did. And then he asked me what kind of stuff I did. And at the time I was also doing deadlifting a lot, like every day, like I, 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 yeah. I loved it, you know? And he was like, yeah, he's like, I think it'll be okay. And I was like, all right. So I went to physical therapy and then I just started training, even though I wasn't supposed to. It took me about a year to heal. And then I think a few months later, I looked at the actual report to what I had done. So basically, so my PCL, I partially tore it. So it was torn. But just not 100%, so I didn't have to have surgery because okay. it heals on its own. Uh, my MCL, I sprained it. My LCL, I sprained uh, I partially tore it. So everything, and just like everything, my, had some damage. Yeah, the uh, pretty much everything. My actual um, patella. patella was completely torn, the thing behind it. Oh, my God. 
So um, I did therapy and stuff like that. So basically everything except my ACL. Okay. Which is the one thing that, you know, you don't really want to tear. So you got you got off easy. Somehow. Not really. <laughs> Not really. I'm still yeah, it wasn't fucking easy. partially handicapped. And then I have all these other injuries from my graffiti days. So my, my style of jiu-jitsu is actually tailored around these injuries around these, like, around it, the it really injuries. like i only move a certain way i only you know there's a lot of things that they'll be my old instructor he was really big on like like when you do this move do it do it this way and i couldn't do it and you're like and he nah, would go, what are you do doing he would, like stop you're not doing it right and then i'd realize i'm like oh actually my brain can't tell my body to move that way yeah you know? i'm injured i gotta i have a lingering injury i gotta move this way yeah yeah i think that's okay there's a lot of like um a lot of that's like dogma. It's like dogmatic. Like you got to do it just like this and just like that. Or it's like really like the everyone's bodies is so different. You know, when I took anatomy in college because I wanted to meet nurses, <laughs> 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 and um, we had a um, a teacher's assistant. He, you know, you don't always absorb everything, but you absorb a few things. He said. Take the take the differences you see between people on the outside of their bodies, and when you get to the inside of their bodies, multiply that by a thousand. So, you know, meaning that you and I have different ratios of like our bicep bone to our rib cage, yeah, and our collarbone to our pelvis, and the proportion of our skull to our knee. Like those are all different on each one of us, you know. So. For someone to be like, you got to move just like this, doesn't, that's ridiculous. You know, you've got to, and that really, um, for me, I really started reflecting on that, doing striking actually, because the distance between all, all pairs of opponents is different. So when like coaches are teaching a combination, they're like, oh, you know, jab, jab, take a step to the left and then cross. You know, or take a step to the right and then cross. It's like, wait, I need to take a stutter step in the middle of that because I'm just too close to my opponent or I'm just too far. And they're like, well, yeah, adjust as necessary, retard. Like, adjust as you need to because, like, the space is going to be different between you and someone with longer arms or between you and someone with shorter arms, you know? Like, it's crazy for someone to, for, like, a coach to look you in the eye and be like, no, you got to do it exactly this way. If you need to take a little adjustment, take a little adjustment, you know? But a lot of jujitsu is totally dogmatic like that, you know? You, um, there's a lot of instructors like that. I've, I've that's insecurity, I think. I don't know if it's even that. I think it's just the way they were taught. There's instructors that are taught to teach a certain way. Um, like there's, uh, so there, so there's these jujitsu practitioners or specifically these two brothers that um, I'm not going to say their names, but the last names rhyme with Tracy. <laughs> Um, these guys are like six foot. One is six foot four and a half. One is six foot five. Right, right. And they teach these moves. They teach six foot four shit to like five foot six guys. Right. It's not the same. No, it's not the same. It's not. And and, and they will literally like dissect every move, and they'll they'll, they'll they'll tell you freeze. You're doing that incorrectly. You know, move move your elbow slightly to the left or to the right. You know, but no, yeah, everyone's different. Um, and that's one thing that I actually appreciate about training with Dustin is that everyone in his gym has a different style. Everyone has that's their true. own style. Yeah. 
Then I'll just all sort of like little replicas of him. Yeah. Yeah, like Liz and Joy are totally different. Yeah. Joy's insane, man. Yeah. Joy, she's so good. She's really good, yeah. She's I ridiculous. think she realizes how good she is. And every yeah, yeah, I, I noticed that. Well both of them are like that. But um every time she's right before she goes to a tournament, she like right now out she has the bit. worlds. Oh yeah, that too, I know that. But how good she gets and how focused she is right before the tournament, it's insane, man. She's really good. Yeah, it's she kind really of a, is. Yeah, yeah. It's and, kind and of, then she'll beat up most guys. That train, guys that train. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's kind of unfair that she has to compete against women. Like, I kind of want to start seeing her against some of these guys. Like, I'm, like, <laughs> well, uh, guys her size, I think she would beat guys, a lot of guys her size. You know she's going against, like, the ultra heavyweights this time. So, so she... Why is that? Because she, I guess she wants, she wants more challenge. competition. Uh, yeah, a challenge. So she's going to go up against the, pe- the girls that are heavier than her just... To do it, and that's awesome. Just I for the piss it. of it, but honestly, she's gonna beat the shit out of all of them because she's faster. She's she just has that that uh, she's really tall. She's like five foot eleven. Yeah, no, she's an something. athlete. Her um, her footwork needs a little bit of work, but standing, yeah, but her standing needs too. a little bit of work. Uh, I'm concerned. I'm concerned for for her injury because her her knees are always inward of her toes. So like, if well, her toes are out here, her tall knees, people. That's it's really are. dramatic. It's like yeah. this, though. It's like this. I see that, and I'm just like, I'm just like praying for her. Like, please don't get injured. Like, you're. It's like this. She's got yeah, the John Johns. Yeah, kind of like 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 that. Yeah, like pigeon toed almost or something. But that's like that's my only real, that's my only real observation. And hey, that's pretty good. She's probably listening to this. She's like, well, hey, fuck, she, she can. Fuck, I've, told, I've, told oh, okay. <laughs> I've told. I've told her. I've told. I've told her. It's she's only gonna, gonna make her better. I've told. I mean, it's shit. Yeah. You know. No, but she's, uh, she's told, really good. I told you to lose weight. You lost weight. <laughs> a little bit, but I'm working on getting You look back great, man. There. You look great. Man, I I gained you lost like 30? a total. I've lost about 30 pounds. I gained a total of 53 pounds when I got my injury because I sat at home every day and ordered Taco Bell on Postmates. Oh, my God. I couldn't, I couldn't stand up. I was literally why, why on not the gym boys? couch. Why not gym boys? Day. I don't know because I'm from Southern California and gym boys is a NorCal thing. Jim Boys is better, I think. I, I, I agree. Yeah. But, but you like Taco Bell. Yeah, we'll talk about you know, I can get me something for a dollar that I'd pay six dollars for at Jim Boys. So you put on the weight and now you're trying to get back down? Yeah, eventually. Basically it just means I'm actually just training, you know, and I'm not eating Taco Bell or Postmates. That stuff is terrible. Eh? That service that delivers crappy ass food to you. For like, nothing. You, you, yeah. you can't log in you can't download the app and expect to eat nothing but healthy food. It's there's all no way. Yeah. There's, there's that no, doesn't no sell. Way. Health doesn't sell. No, no. You, um, it's so weird to me. Cause like, yeah, you, you don't look like a super ripped athletic guy, but you're fucking dangerous, man. Like, I don't know. Does that ever get to you? Like, do you, are you ever like, oh shit, I don't look like I train, but I'm fucking these guys up. Do you, do you ever feel like, oh, maybe I should look like I train? Like I, I carry a belly around with me and like, I, it does get to me. Honestly, I carry a belly around with me and I fucking, you, you can ask you can ask Kaylee. I ask her three times a day, do I look fat? You know, yeah. like these fucking, these alpha males with those I six mean, packs are, are giving me body image issues. Like sometimes I wonder, it's like, shit, I'm doing all this grappling. I'm doing all this grappling for fuck's sake. You'd think it'd give me a bit, a better body. But I, you know, my theory on it is your body gets used to doing it. So it gets easier. That's exactly what it is. Is that what it is? I mean, I don't know if you've ever looked at my Facebook of pictures, if there is any pictures of me, because there really isn't any anywhere. But um, just it's just I've a bunch never, of it's just I'm a bunch usually, of women wearing crazy shit. Yeah, or or wearing nothing at all. Yeah, and um, <laughs> <laughs> and I 
And um, I've never actually really been this big. Usually, you know, you were big. And, you um, were big. You, you actually, you're not. You're not like. Well, big. I've been you're not big both, now. But um, before I was doing jujitsu, I was literally doing nothing but cardio because that's all I would do. And when I started doing jujitsu, like I actually started to gain weight. You know, muscle, muscle or no? I'd say it's both. Really? Yeah, both muscle and fat. Um, because you get comfortable. You know, like uh, what's his name? Neil was asking me. He's like, "Hey, Frank, how much cardio do you do?" I'm like, "I don't do cardio." I'm like, I'm, "I do jujitsu. <laughs> like, I don't have time for cardio." Like, I know? go to open mat and I yeah. smash white belts. Uh, if I go do cardio <laughs> the whole time, I'm thinking I could actually be doing jujitsu right. Yeah, now. yeah. And, that, and that's a problem. Well, no, you know, it is and it isn't. I mean, you look at Ben Askren; he doesn't have a wrestler's body, right? But he just wrestles a lot, yeah. and he's like one. Of the, he's like the most successful wrestler of his generation. Yeah, but yeah. see, this is so. I told you I, I revolve my life around jujitsu. Your podcast is called Life and Jujitsu, but it, my life is really just jujitsu. So I revolve <laughs> my whole schedule around jujitsu, and like every time I'm injured, yeah, or every every morning that I wake up in pain and I can barely walk, I ask myself, why do I do this? Yeah, yeah, every single day, and I'm like. I'm like, why do I do this? And then I look at everybody else around me and I'm like, you know, do you know the things that I could do or the things I can get done if I just devoted as much time to, that I do to jujitsu to something else? Right, right. Like a black belt could be a, have a law degree or be a doctor. I'm literally missing a law degree right now. Yeah. I'm literally missing a law degree. It's like I, my dream was to be a lawyer. <laughs> I wanted to be a lawyer. I got a job in the legislature. I was like, hey, this is pretty comfortable. I'm not making a ton of money, but enough to survive. I want to spend my nights doing jujitsu, and I just didn't look back. And now, seven years later, I'm fucking thirty years old. I scrubbed out of the fucking legislature. I don't want to go back. But the law degree never came. But it's like the brown belt did. I guess that's pretty good, you know. Yeah, but you but, can't show that off to your buddies that have law degrees because they're just like, like what the fuck is this brown belt? It's like, this is brown like, dude, belt. you don't get it. Like, don't piss me off. Don't piss me off with your law degree talk. I'll take you behind the bar and snap your fucking neck. Yeah. But you know what I might start doing is just wearing my belt. Like, <laughs> Like everywhere I go, like just wear my belt, you know, just you to, know. just and so then, I can feel better. Yeah, be and like, then yeah. And, and then people are like, "Oh, my five year old's a black belt in taekwondo." I actually just ran into one of those situations, yeah, where someone, where someone was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah I train martial arts too," and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, I train taekwondo." I'm like, "What are you a black belt?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm a black belt." You know, uh, sure. every time you tell somebody that doesn't train that you do martial arts, they either assume you're a black belt. Or yeah, a white belt, and they're like, "Oh, you got your black belt, right?" And I'm like, "No." And they're like, "Oh, then maybe you haven't been doing this long enough. You know, maybe you've only been doing it for like a month or two. You don't get it. it's a ten year thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. if you're if you're if you're lucky, if well, you've like, enough time. Yeah, because the fucking belts actually mean something in jujitsu, you know. But you know, but does it really? Like, like some, like, like I was saying, have I asked question. myself, yeah, it's, it's why do I do this and. I, th- I realize that we're just like really like I, I don't want to bring you down or anything but we're sure. big ass little kids yeah we are yeah and that's why we do it I think it's like yeah it reminds of us of our childhood yeah you know? I think so it's kind of like like you're pl- it's like playtime in the sandbox but like for adults you know what I yeah. mean but you get to like choke people right you yeah. kind of get to take the frustrations out you know what I mean you ever realize that when you choke someone and they tap out they died yeah, like, I wanted to bit. start doing that. Like I wanted to tap people and be like, "You died, you tap, you died." <laughs> you know because what? I'm... Think about it. You don't let go of the choke; they die. Yeah, yeah. You know what I don't get, honestly? How does 
cutting off the blood. I want to have Pat on, but he won't come on. Who's Pat? The the doctor. Skinny. You were just rolling with him. Skinny guy. He's an emergency room surgeon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, an emergency yeah, 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 yeah. room surgeon. Yeah. I didn't. Pat. I, didn't, I don't call him Pat. Yeah. When did you say? Oh, he comes to the noon class. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's close. He's actually the first person in Ultimate Fitness I ever partnered and rolled with. He's a great guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um. He's getting better too. He's gotten a lot better. Yeah. But um, he's actually in a good case. Like he's a good case study of someone who. He asked me what he could do better, and I was like, honestly, you could be a little bit stronger. You need to start lying to people. You need to start saying, <laughs> well, you know, you need to start taking up boxing and like and other things, because otherwise, you know, they're just gonna start tapping you out. And yeah, then, I know they're catching up to me. I like that because then I kind of gotta fight. I gotta reach deeper into my bag of trips. You make into, you evolve. Yeah. But he, he asked me, what can I do better? And I was like, honestly, you could be a little bit stronger. He's fucking strong. Well, for the last, because I told, I told him, it's like, he, he asked well, me, he asked me, what can I do better? And I was like, you, you should start lifting. And he's been lifting every day after jujitsu since I told him that. And now he's fucking strong for sure. <laughs> and he's a doctor and he works in the emergency room for Kaiser, I believe. Yeah. yeah we yeah. probably shouldn't be tell, saying that much information. That's, that's but, okay. But yeah, like you, you created a monster. And, and like this, like, I, I, I think about that. I'm like, man. And he, he's at, he's at every single class, every, every class, day. every class. He like rushes in, rushes out. Yeah, that's yeah. what's that, that's why I wanted to make this podcast. Is like you know, for the the vast majority of people are just like deriving life lessons from this as they go along and balancing it with other endeavors that they do. They're not, you know, pulling guard to sweep for the advantage and win the invitational in you know Abu Dhabi or whatever. They're doctors and lawyers and CPAs and photographers and loan officers and just regular folks doing jujitsu because they're not trying to let that like primordial part of themselves die just yet. You know what I mean? And so I kind of like, I felt like that space is not being talked to. You know, like a lot of the, when I look out into the jujitsu podcast landscape, it's just a bunch of people breaking down the professional landscape or talking about just technique and shit like that. It's like, like really when I examine the, the totality of life lessons from jujitsu. It's like this whole conglomerate of things. It's not just, you know, it's not just, you know, what are the pros doing or just technique, you know, it's, it's yeah. more like, fuck that guy's a doctor and he's rushing in and doing this shit. I can't believe that, yeah. you know? And he's not like taking privates. Like I would expect the doctor. I don't think privates actually help. They don't. They don't. Privates. Well, are... they help for the guy that, the help for the Only, coach who needs the 50 bucks. Yeah, it's much more than $50. Yeah. These guys charge hundreds of dollars. I don't think they make you any better. Dude, have you seen how I think they, Gordon Ryan charges $500 for a one-hour private? Why? What's he, is he blowing you at the end? What's he doing? I don't know what he's doing. For a one-hour. Why do they call it a private, too? Why does it seem all taboo like that? Too? A private. It's a little awkward. It's like, super it's like, awkward. I can't, I can't be Honestly, can't okay. Be there's no there's no way. By, by the way, if you're out there and you're paying for a private, I encourage you to ask yourself, what are you really getting out of it? Here's my, my initial take on privates. How do you compare yourself? Yeah. My initial take on privates is, uh, can you really learn one-on-one? If I show you, Franklin, a move, don't you need me to show it on somebody? Don't you need me to show it on your buddy so that you can see it and then be like, okay, now let me do it on you. But if I show you a move on your body, are you able to absorb it as well as like if I show it on somebody else? You probably need me to show it on somebody else. So immediately we're thinking private should be like three or four people so that you can have somebody to show it on and that then I apply agree. it. See, 
privates, that's what privates should be. And they, they do do those. They should be it's small a private groups. of like two or three people. That's yeah. probably the best way to learn. Except when you go to Th that rolling, I agree with. you might not have the same type of um, challenges. You, yeah. you're, you're, the people you're rolling with may not give you as much of a hard time. Yeah, yeah. Because I've, I've, man, I've gone into gyms. I used to drop into gyms a lot like when I was in LA. Dojo Wars. <laughs> and I would go into gyms where like the person running the gym yeah. Had maybe a blue belt or a purple belt. Oh my god. So everybody in that gym was was not even close to their like yeah, knowledge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um they're only as good as their training partners. Yeah, I'll bet. You know, and um I so I think it's important to have every type of training partner, which is like going back to what I said with Dustin, everybody there brings something different. Everybody yeah, challenges yeah. you, you know, like Jordan, not only is he big, strong and technical, the guy's a division one UC Davis wrestler. Yeah. Sanchez, we guys, I don't know much about him, but I, I know that he was, you know, amazing. He's top. amazing. Yeah. 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 And then you have people like, like Dustin. I mean, this guy, he's pretty much a professional jujitsu fighter. Yeah. 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 No, it's yeah. incredible. Um, Quickly, last question here because I know you probably we probably got to get get you out of here. It's, it is getting late. Um, moves that changed your game. What sort of like technique epiphanies did you have? Where like after you learned that move, your game was never the same. Those happen to me all the time, so it's hard for me to point out specific moves. Really? Yeah. I um I would say about every two months, I completely change and I add new moves. I start to see what's working and what's not working. Um, I would say things that change, you know what, actually the biggest thing, I wouldn't say that it's, yeah, there's one, there's one, gotta be something that stands out. There isn't specifically one move, more okay. of a group of moves. Okay. Um, so when I, stuff that I learned when I came to ultimate fitness, um, was the rest, the wrestling so that every warm up we do every single day, we do that penetration same, steps, yeah. penetration step, well, more sprawl to penetration step. Yeah. Those two things that did wonders for me. So before, I would get swept all the time. Oh, all shit. the time. Then I realized that, I realized just kind of how to balance more. I got better at my base. And that kind of comes naturally, of course. But being able to implement like just some basic wrestling, just the very basics and fundamentals, such as a sprawl, there's a lot that you get to learn. Like I, I remember people would... Um, I would be in someone's side control and somehow they would come up on a single and take me down. That happens to a lot to white belts, especially in blue belts, but that sprawl and understanding, you know, that pressure that you need to put, I think that probably changed my game okay. the most. Okay, makes sense. As well as um, controlling, like when you're, let's say that the, your opponent turtles up and controlling that opposite by, um, that opposite wrist on okay. the other hand stuff like that like it's all like little wrestling stuff like I guess control we, like body control yeah and it all comes from wrestling that's why yeah. wrestlers that learn jujitsu if they do get good at jujitsu because i feel like a lot of them don't like a lot of them like they, they stay at white belt and they're yeah. like no i don't want to do this yeah um when they do get good at jujitsu um that's one advantage that they have that controlling and distributing their weight and balance yeah it helped me a lot i realized with wrestling I would get swept a lot before, right? When I was trying to pass guard or just in general, I was on top. I realized I would get swept a lot. And 
I got to this point where I was like, you know what? I'm like, I'm not going to get swept anymore. I'm like, if I'm on top, I'm on top. I'm going to stay on top yeah. and getting swept is like, you're going to die. <laughs> I keep using that term, but, but seriously, like you're on top that you're not going down under any means necessary. Yeah. yeah like yeah, if you yeah. go down, that's it. Your life is over. And I kind of got that mentality. It's probably not the best jujitsu mentality to have because. Well, no, it's good to have you on. So I, I feel like I talk about that a lot too. And I just, I hope people, I want people to know it's not just me. <laughs> like, yeah. No. Yeah. People are going to. People are going, this isn't jujitsu anymore. Like, this is wrestling. No, it's it's a little bit of both, guys. It's a little yeah. bit of both. I pull, um, guard. I pull guard. I pull guard 99% of the time. For me, the moves that changed my game was really the Kimura. Once I learned the Kimura, I learned, like, the reverse Kimura, which is kind of like... I might have just made that up, but it's just kind of like... Um, <laughs> like... I it. Like... Um, rolling someone over with like a like by gripping over their armpit and isolating that arm it's like a committed arm sweep I show this on my Facebook channel and basically just like controlling someone by the armpit considering the armpit like the groin of the upper body and so by like really understanding the Kimura and by really getting the Kimura I really started understanding how you can isolate an arm, control it, and then roll people over their armpit. And when that happened, it actually kind of made my guard a little bit less good because I realized that I could just roll people over from side, from when I was inside, from when people were inside control for me. And I was like, shit. Like, as people are trying to come to side control, as they're posting their arms out, I can kind of hook over the armpit, isolate the arm and just roll over into it you do that 90 percent of the time yeah to me. and people know that it's coming i, I do I it always all. know it's coming yeah. because you jordan and a few other people do it to me yeah and i've learned um to counter to, or not to get into that position yeah <clears throat> but it's fucking hard to avoid yeah for most people yeah. it's hard to avoid honestly yeah. and um i've been getting better and better in it and i'm just kind of like oh fuck like why even retain guard i'm just gonna get this thing you know, which has probably not been positive for my jujitsu, but it, maybe it's lazy. But yes and no, because I think that everyone goes so, through a chapter where they're like, "Oh, this is what I'm working on," and that's just what you're working on right now. Yeah, that is. And what I I'm think that on. you're going to evolve into something else, and that move's always going to be there. Yeah, it's always going to be like, "Oh, he passed my guard. All the other shit that I had didn't work." So no, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm yeah, do this. And the other, the other big one that changed my game was the, the that north south choke that I've been working on. Yeah, because like people. <laughs> That thing's, I know that thing's not fun. I've, I've been working on my counters, as you know. It's not fun to like apply to people. It's not fun to like to to be in too. But like, because people get like this when you get to side control, people just turtle up a little bit. Yeah, they cloister up like this, and like if someone's like really good at doing that, there's not a lot left. So you just got to put the armpit over the head and just try. Because the one thing that is left is the head. If someone's like this. The one thing that's left is the head is sticking out there like a, like a sore thumb. So when people get really defensive, the one thing that's really left is the head. And you better just get good at like using the fact that the head is the one thing that's left to open up to open up possibilities for everything else. Because then as they start trying to fight your arms off of their head, maybe a Kimura opens up. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, yeah. So those are the moves that that, um, that, that opened up for me. Um, all right, brother. Anything else we should cover real quick? No. 
cool, man. This has been comprehensive. This actually ran a little <laughs> bit, ran a little bit longer, but it, it's it's good. I feel like it got me. It took me a little bit, a little bit to, to get you to open up. You're um, <laughs> you're an onion. We gotta peel the peel the layers away with you. It's, yeah, it's good. Takes time. Yeah. All right, brother. Thanks for coming on, Franklin Suarez. Um, your Instagram tag is actually on my blog. <laughs> so if you want to follow Franklin uh, on Instagram, it's at Franklin Suarez. No, I mean you don't have to follow me, but if you want to see my photography work, it's uh, at Franklin Suarez dot photos at franklin dot suarez dot photos hey that was pretty close yeah <laughs> all right brother thanks for coming on <laughs> thanks man